You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. You're listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on The Sports Objective. Join Coach C, the USA Strength and Conditioning Hall of Famer, every Monday night to see in a variety of guests, including former players, former and current coaches, pastors, and others will discuss relevant issues in coaching today's athlete. The goal of equipping the athlete and those coaching them with the physical, mental, and spiritual armor necessary to live their best life. Here's Coach Connors. Uh, welcome to Absolute Empowerment. Uh, tonight we have a very special guest, Greenville's favorite son and quarterback, Holton Ehlers. And uh, glad to have you in the house here, uh, Holton. Yeah, Coach C. Hey, appreciate it for having me, man. Uh, you know, anything for you, obviously. Um, I appreciate you a lot and kind of where you've got me in my career. So, hey, when you reached out, you know, I'd love to do it. And I've, I've watched this a ton now. You send them to me and I watch them all the time, too. So, excited to be on. Well, I had an opportunity to coach you for a year at ECU. And uh, uh, I, I got to know you in relationship to uh, your work ethic, your physical attributes, your leadership attributes. And uh, I was always very impressed during the time that I had you. So uh, I, I really want to talk a little bit first about the uh, quarterback position. And uh, I'm going to kind of give you my little history here. So you know that uh, this quarterback position has a real special place in my heart and, and in my life. Uh, oh, yeah. My dad played quarterback in high school. Yeah. Uh, very, very good athlete. He was also a uh, baseball catcher. Uh, he and my mother uh, were kind of hooked up in grade school. So they were longtime sweethearts. But anyway, they got married young and and uh, and had me. And, and basically, my dad decided that he was going to go to work uh, to support the family. But then about four or five years later, he decided he was going to go back to college and play ball. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, uh I was born on the 12th of June, so my dad always wore number 12. Oh, heck yeah. So we got a little bit of karma there. Yeah. So I was about five years old, and I used to go uh, watch my dad play quarterback uh, at Salem, West Virginia. And uh, uh, that was kind of unique because there weren't many kids there watching their dads play. And so he'd yeah. take me to class with him sometimes and all that, and, and – uh, a lot of his teammates would remember me like 40, 50 years later, back when I was five years yeah, old. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Uh, but then I ended up going to the same university, and uh, and I was also a quarterback ever since I was in third grade all through high school. And so uh, so I went to Salem as a quarterback. I redshirted. Uh, I played uh, one year as quarterback. Started, I think, uh, nine out of ten games. Uh, and then, of course, you know, they had decided to move me to defensive back. So they went because it went to a straight draft, uh, drop back offense. And I was 5'10 on a good day. <laughs> so I was a play action kind of guy. And uh, I like to run with the ball, that type of thing. Uh, but anyway, I moved to a position called strong corner. So I got to understand a little bit more about defense as well uh, through oh, my college yeah. career. And uh, th if you can believe it, there's still a uh, 
a film, a, a game on YouTube, 1976, me playing quarterback against Glenville State University in West Virginia. Hey, I need to look that one up. I got I got to critique you. <laughs> I got to let you know how it is. Huh. So I, I just – I just wanted to tell you a little bit about the, you know, my background in relationship to my affinity for the quarterback position. I haven't grown up in, uh, and my dad was also, you know, a high school coach. Yeah, but, oh, uh, for sure. He had all the passing records at Salem. And then uh, after I graduated, Rich Rodriguez actually became the head coach there. Dang. And then, uh, and then Terry Bowden was also the head coach there. <laughs> And he brought in a quarterback by the name of Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> and Dang. so, uh, so uh, all these guys were uh, at Salem, West Virginia. And Jimbo, I don't know if he broke any of my dad's records or not. Uh, <laughs> I've got I've to check that. But, you know, my dad and Jimbo are both in the Hall of Fame there, of course. But uh, Terry left and went to Sanford, I think, and took Jimbo with him uh, after two or three years there. Dang, that's crazy. Uh, as you could imagine, uh, Bobby Bowden was sending some ringers up there that couldn't make it in school or, or whatever. <laughs> they had oh, yeah. They ended up at Salem. That's uh, Moses Mobley uh, was a really good player, the tight end. I don't know if you yep. ever heard of him, Moses Mobley. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah. So, anyway, I just want to give you a little bit of background there and because uh, I want to talk some, some nuts and bolts yeah, about the it. quarterback position. So the first thing I want to talk to you about, uh, because I knew, I know you went through a learning curve and learning experiences, and uh, and you've gained a ton of knowledge in relationship to that position. But I want to talk about reading the defense. Yeah. So I'm just going to say a phrase, and you basically, I'd like for you to just talk about that. Okay. Uh, tell me Let's what you it. know about it, or what you want to express about. It. So the first thing I want to say is. Uh, Number of defenders in the box. Number of defenders in the box. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of where it all starts, um, especially in today's offenses. Um, I mean, you know, I could go on and on, as, um, as you can tell. But, you know, in, in college offenses today, especially pros a little bit different. Pros kind of just matching whatever the offense does on defense. But um, in college, there's so many multiple offenses out there that, you know, there's spacing offenses where, you know, you run the – the spread and you try to get guys in space and then you got, you know, under center eye formation. And, you know, that's kind of where it all starts with is, I mean, I mean, if you have, um, you know, let's say six guys in the box, um, you know, generic, you know, base play call in today's college's offenses is, if, you know, if you have, you call in, you know, say a quarterback draw or a running back draw um, and they're going to be blocking five of the defenders. Um, and then you read the sixth defender. And if the sixth defender's in the box, then you throw it outside and then, um, you know, obviously, if if the six defenders outside the box, then you hand it off or run the draw. And um, so, I mean, it just starts with numbers in the box. I mean, the closer you get to the goal line, you're going to add more people. It's going to get to seven and, and, and possibly eight. And then, um, you know, obviously, it, it matters about how many tight ends you have. But um, that's a big thing that people don't realize. And um, that offensive and defensive coordinators kind of mix and match. It's a chess match throughout the game. Um, you know, about what personnel there is, because obviously, um, you know, you bring in 11, 12 personnel, you're going to have more guys in the box. But, um, I mean, shoot, that's, that's kind of where it all starts is, you know, six, you know, five, if you have five men in the box, you got to run the ball. I mean, it, if you if you can't run the ball five with five men in the box with, 
you know, four down linemen to say a four two, uh, four down linemen, and you got one backer in the box and you can't run the ball, then probably your team ain't gonna be very good. Uh, that's just how it is. And then honestly, with six in the box, um, with today's RPOs offenses in college, um, you got to be able to run the ball with six in the box, and then re- like I said, read the six defender. Um, and then when you get to seven, you got you know you got to have a one on one guy on the outside because that probably means you get man coverage, and you got to have you got to you know be able to throw slants, throw go balls, stuff like that. But Hey, if, you, if you're really good and you got some dogs up front, you should be able to run the ball too. I um, mean, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of where it separates, you know, the good teams from the great teams and the bad teams from the good teams, honestly. So not knowing personnel would affect, let's say, what you're going to check to. Oh, 100%. I mean, I think that's where it all starts. You know, um, you know, I was with the Seahawks uh, this preseason and some of the season. I mean, we got the helmet mic on and. First thing all the offense coordinator says is, you know, 12 personnel. You, you When you, we go 12 personnel, you expect a certain look from their defense. You know, where's the penny front with five down linemen because we're bringing an extra tight end, so they're going to bring an extra D lineman. Um, and NFL is a lot more of that than, than college. You know, I think college is, you know, these defensive coordinators are out there trying to make a name for themselves, so they're, you know, a little hard-headed and keep their personnel in, you know, say – a tight, you bring two tight ends in um, on offense, they might keep out their nickel personnel or just their standard, you know, base personnel. But um, in the NFL, it's a little bit different. You know, they, they match uh, personnel for the most part. I mean, there's some teams that, you know, randomly won't match. But you know, if you bring in 12 personnel, you're expecting five down linemen in the NFL. And then in college, you're really expecting four down line, a 4-2 front um, for, for the base. Gotcha. Okay, so uh... – Next would be recognizing man coverage. Oh yeah, um, hey, that's where you—that's where you become a quarterback. That's where you become great. Um, you know, it all kind of you know gets back to each other. And like I said, I mean, if, if a team brings out you know penny personnel is what we call it in the NFL, and you know that's that's five D linemen. Um, you're that's a alert right away um, for for man coverage because I mean they're taking out a a pass defender. They ain't gonna drop a D lineman, and if they do, he ain't gonna be very good at dropping. Um, so, I mean, you, you right away, you, you know, you bring in 12 personnel, you're expecting man coverage for the most part, um, you know, to recognize it. You know, I think the easiest thing I did to recognize man coverage, um, just from a base standpoint is just the eyes of the corners. Um, you're going to have one high for the most part, um, for the standard looks and then the eyes of the corners, corners ain't going to be looking inside, you know, no corner wants to be looking inside when the ball snapped, if they're guarding the guy in front of them, um, that's just kind of how it is. And, you know, no, none of these corners, their biggest fear is getting shown on the jumbotron, getting beat on a go ball. Um, so they're going to be locked in on their guys' hips. So you go to the line of scrimmage and, you know, every single side, every single corners, you know, eye straight ahead at the at the defender. And then you got to have you got to have a guy over the running back. And that's something I learned later in the career is um, not only the the eyes of the DBs and the safeties, but the eyes of the linebackers in man coverage are huge because these linebackers, especially in college, man, I mean, they ain't going to sit there and cover the running back for long. They're terrified covering these guys. You know, linebackers are meant to go downhill and hit people in the run game. They ain't meant to cover um, in space. So, uh, you know, if they're in man coverage, that linebacker is going to be staring at the running back pre-snap. And it's pretty obvious uh, the, the more reps you get at it. And uh, that's kind of, you know, what I get from from that. I'm getting these long answers, but, I mean, I could talk ball all day. No, I mean, that's that's what we're here for. We're here to yeah, talk for sure. ball. for sure. That's good. Uh, so, uh, how about uh, – how about motion? Does that tell you something about man coverage? Ooh. Yeah, you ain't lying. Uh, yeah, I think that's the best thing. Even 
from freaking high school all the way to, to the NFL. Um, I think that is the best indicator of it um, is motion. And, you know, you, you know, I would go through a script. If I went through one of my game scripts at the NFL, I mean, we have a motion every single time. You expect man in third down. You know, that's the number one. Man in, in on third down in red zone is a huge indicator as well. I mean, that's the first thing you're going to expect. And um, in those things, you know, the scripted out plays, I mean, we're going to have a motion every single time. You got to. Um, you got to. Because it tells you if someone follows them, it's pretty much 100% man coverage if someone follows them. So if you motion a receiver from one side to the other and the, the nickel follows them all the way over, that's, but that's for a reason, you know, he's not dropping to his own. That's his guy that he's covering that he's following. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. And then, I mean, if he doesn't follow him, but they roll. So that means the safety up top goes, goes down to that side. And the guy that was over him goes to safety. That's the same thing. They're just switching. Um, if, if they have two good safeties that they feel like they can cover, but um, motion's a huge thing. Cause if he comes across and no one goes with him where the safeties roll or he goes all the way across, um, that's zone 100%. You know, that's unless they got some one of a kind, defense that I've never seen before um it's going to be zone coverage so um I mean it's it's so much cheating I mean if you're a good quarterback and watch film you should know if it's man or zone if you have emotion now they they do a good job of disguising it it ain't as easy as I'm making it seem but with emotion it should be it should be pretty easy if, if you you know game plan them pretty well you should know them enough and know their tendencies um to know whether it's man or zone now your senior season at ECU uh what was your favorite go-to if you read man coverage? Go ball. I mean, she, we had some great go ball guys. Um, you know, depending on down the distance, you know, obviously if it's third and two, I'm not going to jack up a go ball. You know, I had the freedom to change the routes on whatever it was. So, you, know, you know, short yardage, I might go to a slant, but we had some really good go ball receivers. So, I mean, I, I gave them a chance and they made a lot of good plays. And um, So I said, man, if, if they're going to give man coverage, you, you got to have guys that can win on the outside. And that's, you know, kind of what you're seeing with, you know, the teams that are successful have guys that can do that and they also can run the ball. But, you know, if they're in man coverage, it's because they're stacking the box, what we talked about earlier, you, you got to have guys one-on-one coverage. I mean, even if you give them a 50-50 ball, I mean, those are pretty dang good odds. If you went to Vegas and told someone you had 50-50 odds, they would take it. Um, and that's just, I mean, that's just, especially with your guy and you can make it, you know, an 80-20 odds, you can give them a chance at it and you got to stud out there. Uh, you know, that's how you, that's how you win games. Right. Yeah, that little swing pass to Keaton Mitchell wasn't was probably maybe uh, in your repertoire as well, maybe. Huh? Yeah, I'd say yeah. If you got to run him back, <laughs> I can run a four too. You can spit it out to him too. Let him do whatever he wants. Gotcha. Okay, so uh, let's move on to uh, hot routes. Yeah, hot routes. Uh, you know that goes in. You know, a lot of time. Um, you know, I didn't know what the heck a hot route was until my freshman year of college, and I. Figured it out real quick because I was hot and I didn't know what the route was <laughs> he was running. Um, you know, there's different hot routes and different offenses. You know, my freshman year um, when you were there, our hot routes were, you know, if the if the backer blitzes, um, you know, then you fill the replace behind it. You know, you, you go to green grass, um, and that's a certain hot route where, uh, you know, the green grass rule, whether, you know, it's – you might run a different route each time, but wherever the green grass is, wherever the open space is, that's where you go. And then, you know, I've been in offenses where – um, the hots are within the plate. So, I mean, you got to fade flat on one side um, and you're hot to the right. No matter if the grass is open to the right, the only hot you have is the fade flat. Um, so I've been in both. Um, you, I I kind of like, you know, there's nuances in both and I, I like a little bit of both. But, um, you know, I got, you know, so good with pass protections later in my career and picking up blitzes and stuff that I, I, 
I didn't really play hot that much. Um, but, uh, I mean, if you do have to play hot, as long as you have a plan, you know, the best advice I ever got on that was you're not hot until you get hit. You know, if, if that guy might not be blocked, but he ain't blocked until he hits you. Um, you, you have more time than you think you have unless he's on the line of scrimmage. And I mean, if you have a plan most of the time and know where you're going with the ball, then if that doesn't work, you have a quick second plan. Um, you know, you should be good. That's what it really comes down to all just game planning and a plan prior to, if you don't have a plan and you don't know what you're going to do until they line up and you know, and you think you're going to be hot, and you have nowhere to go with the ball. That's, that's when you're having trouble. Yeah. Uh, now, do you think that uh, in practice, let's say through your, your senior year, for instance, uh, your last couple of years uh, uh, going against coach Harold's defense uh, where, you know, I see him have seven, eight guys in the box. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, a lot of uh, exotic blitz situations, uh, and I, I love the defense. So, uh, yeah, did that help you? Oh, one hundred percent. You know, I think that's where college is a little bit different than the NFL. Um, in the NFL, they're not going to do unsound things. Um, in college, uh, it, it sounds crazy enough, but you know, they're going to put you know seven, eight in the box and show blitz, and sometimes they'll send all of them, and sometimes they'll back up, and you know, sometimes you know. Me as a, you know, that's what kind of I translated from, um, you know, when I was earlier in my career, you know, I knew ball, but I almost knew it to a statistical matter rather than to a, you know, obvious matter of, you know, I would be like, okay, they can't play cover two out of this blitz look. So, all right, they're not playing cover two here. Well, in college football in today's world, they play unsound defense and they might actually play cover two there, even though it really wouldn't make sense for them to do that. And younger in my career, um, you know, I might would just, you know, cancel cover two out of my mind and throw it in their in cover two and maybe throw a pick. And then, um, you know, as I learned from it, you know, I'd be like, OK, just because I know what cover two is and what sound and where everyone's supposed to be and they can't be in that position doesn't mean they, they might not try it just to confuse you um, to that. So it's, it's a chess game um, between all that. But, yeah, Harold, his defense is. I mean, going against that every day in practice and then watching film of other teams, I would almost laugh just because most teams, if you look at the nickel, the safety, and the boundary corner, you you can you can you'll know what coverage they're in ninety percent of the time. Um, and with their defense, I mean, it took me two years really to, re- to fully understand who to look at um, and and what players to look at, and that's because I like you said, I play them every single day. That's great. I mean, that's great news for ECU, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. And then a team that ECU we had trouble with is Navy. It's because they run the same defense. Um, they run the same defense, but it's different enough to still – they have a couple different nuances and blitzes and stuff. They have their own little style to it where it still causes trouble. And, um, you know, that defense is, is a feast or famine defense. I mean, I'm not saying that in a bad way. That's just the way it is. Um, and. Yeah. If, if you face a team that is not prepared for it and hasn't figured you out, I mean, you can have a day on defense. You'll get tons of turnovers, as they did this past Saturday versus Gardner Webb. Right. Um, they pitched a shutout and had five turnovers, and and you could tell those dudes were they didn't know what to do. I mean, you go up the line of scrimmage and you're a young quarterback, and there's eight guys on the ball. First of all, you're you're thinking it's cover zero and it's man coverage, and then half the time, if not more than half, it's not in that defense. It's not cover zero and it's not man coverage and you're like well what coverage is it you, you you might not have time to to figure it out so um yeah i think it's a good defense i think it's perfect defense for ecu to run um just to get speed guys and 
uh, confuse people and just, you know, go get turnovers. That's what the game's about. Yeah, that team looked a little bit out of sorts. <laughs> they did that. They were just giving us the ball. I think that quarterback <laughs> might have had some small hands. He had a, he had a hard time with that. He had something. Ball. Yeah, he, yeah, he was struggling. He had good stats going into the game. Um, and he, I mean, yeah. yeah, he was struggling. Okay, so the next would be uh, disguising coverages. Yeah, see, that's the one that um, will get these young quarterbacks, <clears throat> um, especially in today's college, is, you know, you're showing, you know, a new one that I just got in the NFL that I never got in college um, is showing one hole, which is, you know, one safety here, one safety here, and then at the snap going to Tampa 2. Um, and that's kind of the one that is probably the hardest for me just because Tampa two in college, if they're in Tampa two, these, the safeties are getting wide. I mean, that's their job is to not let anything get, um, outside of the hash to let everything go inside. Cause you have that backer pretty much covering the third of the field. Um, yeah. so, you know, I think, I think go anything to Tampa two, um, or just cover two in general is, is probably the hardest one to pick up if you have experienced safeties. Uh, just because if you do have a safety who can, you know, show one hole or one rat or anything like that and then shoot to the back of the field and know where to have his eyes, um, it's yeah. hard to stop. Now, I mean, if you know what's coming, obviously, you can hit a whole shot. <clears throat> um, yeah, that's a hard one. Yeah, I think to my Coach Harrell's defense, you know, they, the 17-year-old uh, Jackson, I can't remember his first name, had the pick six versus App State. That's what they did. They were showing – cover zero, honestly, and that's one of the things. It's like that's not that's not very sound for the safety to be on the line of scrimmage and then have to run back to cover two. I mean, he has to get 20, 22 yards on the numbers. Um, So, you know, that quarterback sitting here thinking they have man coverage and the corner is going to follow him, you know, that snap of the ball, the safety rolls, the corner comes inside, they throw an out route because he thinks he's man coverage, his pick six. Um, So, I mean, that was a really good cover um, disguise. And, I mean, you'll see all sorts of stuff in college. It's, It's a little bit easier than the NFL, to be honest with you. Um, just because they do match personnel and certain personnel, you're going to have certain coverages. But in college, good luck. I mean, you you got to watch a lot of film. And um, I got – sometimes, you know, I would get it done. But if you just have the right keys um, and understand your hots and understand protection, then, you know, you should be fine. Uh, but I say that after playing five years of college football, too. I mean, yeah. I understand, you know, these young kids that – it's your first year. I mean, you're going to see a lot of stuff, especially if they know you're a first-year starter. And they're going to send all sorts of stuff at you. Now, there's one thing that I saw, you know, through the whole time I was with Coach Logan was uh, a shallow cross route. Yep. And uh, I don't, I don't quite see that as much as seems like anymore. So, uh, you know, what's, yeah. I uh, have you run that much or? I I love it. Um, I love the shallow cross, and you know, I think that's what. Lincoln Riley's so successful. I mean, his offense, they almost every single one, some sort of mesh, some sort of shallow cross. Um, it's hard to stop. It's, you know, it's it's a lot of things, especially if you go zone and you can get a receiver to sit it down in zone in the green grass rule. Like I'm saying, if you can just you can run a full shallow cross, but if there's green grass, you can just stop and look for the ball. Um, I yeah. think that's a – I think if you get a receiver to do that, I mean, it's pretty much unstoppable. Um, that was my favorite third down call if it wasn't just a go ball would just be two shallow crosses and a mesh um, with an OTB behind it. And uh, cause you have a zone beater, you have a man beater, but you gotta have uh, 
first of all, you got to call it. And then second of all, you got to have receivers that understand when to look, understand hots. Cause I mean, sometimes the rules may break themselves. Sometimes, you know, you're not supposed to look until you pass the center, but there's that one time when you do need, when you do need to look and before you pass the center. So you just got to have smart receivers with it. Um, and, you know, I think the game is, so much of an RPO game now of linemen getting downfield that a lot of people don't run it because, you know, they don't want to wait the time while the linemen kind of get up the field. But I certainly love it. Um, if I ever come an OC, I will have it a lot of it in my offense. It's hard to stop. Yeah, with well, Steve's offense, of course, I was just a weight coach standing on the sideline. <laughs> you know, look, it looked to me like, you know, maybe one of three receivers might run that shallow cross and you didn't know who. Yeah. No, so, I, I mean, that's uh, – I, I like that. Yeah, it's hard to stop, especially if you run it right. You know, I, I love it. Like I said, that was a big third down call to mine. I mean, I couldn't couldn't have had it enough. Yeah, I used to really like that uh, the old tight end drag and oh, yeah. tight end delay. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, love it. We yeah. used to have this thing called a pop pass, man. We faked it pop a fullback, you know, like a little yeah. jump pass, you know, back yep. in the day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I love that, too. And that's Lincoln. Lincoln Riley's done that a few times. I think he did that versus Carolina. Um, 2014, he ran it, and then he ran a couple times at USC. So he, he still has a little bit of that left in him. Gotcha. Well, look, I want to talk about now some basic scenarios. We're still talking nuts and bolts uh, yep. that you actually start seeing in high school. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, route combinations, your favorite route combinations, or, uh, uh, you know, what are you going to run against cover three? You know, I think cover three, you got to attack the seams. Um, four verts is, is a really good one with a check down. Um, you know, I like, you know, later in my career, um, I didn't like just um, pretty much, you know, putting four verts on it is very, it's either all or nothing. You got to check it down. And if they blitz someone, I have to go fire three zone. Um, you know, your back's kind of protecting there, you know, so I, we got later in my career at ECU where we would run two seams up the middle and just you would read the safety and then the outside guys would have an option route. So if that cover three, um, technically the, the corners are going to bail and we're going to have to um, curl up underneath. But if they did play man coverage and stay low, then we would run go balls and outside it would turn into four verticals. So we'd run option routes on the outside. Um, but you just got to go seams. You know, if cover three, um, attack the middle guy, go seams. Uh, with stop routes on the outside, like I said, with a check down and you drop back, you, the more advanced you are, um, obviously, you know, uh, you got to look off. You know, if you look right, the safety goes right. Uh, and then you hit the left, the left seam. No one should be guarding it unless that corner is really good. And if the corner overlaps, which is pretty much when the corners, the corner's job is to cover that, you know, that third of that field. So if he does see the seam and see the middle safety to the right um, and he overlaps and covers that seam, that's why I like the option run on the outside because then he has a stop route and you spit it out there and he's wide open. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think when I, you know, I play DB, I think I, 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 uh, I think I spent probably 60 or 70% of my life as a DB in cover three or yeah. some version of cover three back in the day when, you know, we, we never saw less than two backs in the backfield. Yeah. And I played strong corner, so I always went to strong formation, which I hated because I'd have they wanted me seven yards deep. Yeah. And so sometimes I'd switch responsibilities with the strong safety, which allowed <laughs> me to get up in force, which I like. But uh, yeah. But yeah, I spent a lot of time with in cover three, and then of course if we had motion went away, we'd rotate. 
you know. Yep, yep. And that's so, uh, that's the thing with motion. Um, you, you know, motion can give you if if you have an offense where you can motion a guy a lot, um, and even on runs, it helps you a lot in runs too, especially IDing runs. Um, if you know if quarterbacks ever get to that, which you know I did later in my career. I always wanted, you know, the ID in my hands where those passer run, so it always looked the same. And I, I understood, you know, if you rotate what they were doing, and I watched enough film later on where I kind of understood it. Um, but, yeah, I, mean, I think, you know, cover three you still use a lot today. You know, there's a lot of different versions of it, whether it's, you know, buzz or fire or um, weak or everything in between. Um, but at the end of the day, there's three safeties pretty much back there. Um, and, and, you know, the goal of it, you know, if you're calling the right offense, it's tacked to the middle of the field and then go inside out to check down is, is, is kind of how you beat uh, cover three. Yeah. How about cover two? Cover two, got to attack the middle of the field. Uh, those safeties are getting wide. We kind of talked about it earlier. Um, you know, I like – in in my perfect world, if we were going uh, – if I knew they were going to cover two, I would go three by one and, and literally just go four verts. Um Make the safety, uh, you know, cover one of the, one of the go balls, uh, seam balls. I'm sorry. So uh, the one guy go to the other hash, and uh, then you just attack away from him. You know, that's a that's the easiest way to do it. It's a three by one verts, but um, two by two, uh, you can go benders, um, skinny post by number two on the inside because you know that safety's job is to get super wide, not let anyone outside of him. So he's going to have someone underneath. Um, obviously, you know, those backers are going to get a lot of depth. You know, there's a Tampa two, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. Um, it's kind of the, the more realistic one nowadays. Uh, people kind of got away from just straight cover two, just because you could hit the middle guy unless you have a stud safety. Um, but, you know, you got to attack the middle of the field. You know, I think that is the key of it. And, you know, I'd love, you know, just to bend her over the middle, which, like I said, a skinny post and then check down. Uh, if you got a good back, you know, he's going to be pretty much one on one with these backers underneath. Um, and then talk about hole shots. You know, if you got a really good quarterback and a receiver that understanding, you got first of all, the receiver has to get an outside release. Um, and then there's about a 18 yard window where the corners, you know, jamming up front. He, you know, he's not going to he's not going to follow. Um, the right. receiver after he jams and then that safety is going to get depth and wide. There's going to be about an 18 yard window where you can fit a go ball in there. If you got a good receiver that isn't afraid to take a hit, and a good quarterback that can back shoulder him. That's one of my favorite throws. Um, yeah. You, you obviously got to know you're throwing it before, before um, you got to know what covers they're in before that. And you got to, you got to trust your receivers getting outside release because that corner is going to try everything he can to give him an inside release because um, he knows the yeah. weakness of it is, is the whole shot. So um, as soon as that receiver goes inside, no whole shot possible. But as soon as he goes out outside, you can get the ball out within, you know, I'd say 1.2 seconds or less, uh, you have a chance to hit the whole shot, but can't put air on it. The receiver's going to get killed. You got to put it on a line on his back shoulder and then kind of let the receiver um, you know, go from there. So explain Tampa too. Yeah, Tampa 2, um, the best way to explain that, honestly, it, it turns into, you know, it's the same thing as cover 2, except that Mike, Mike linebacker, since there is such a huge void in the middle of the field, that Mike linebacker is pretty much just going to shoot um, straight to the middle of the field and get a ton of depth, almost like a middle safety. It almost turns into like a cover 3 right. type defense. Um, but, you know, the thing with that is he's going to turn, if you, if you really watch film, he's going to turn to speed. Um, he's going to turn to the 
you got a tight end on one side, I want to say with speed, if you got a tight end on one side and you got a slot receiver on the other side, he's going to turn to the slot receiver side if he's if you got a well-coached team. Um, and then the only other time he may not is if you got a stud running back that you use in, in the passing game a lot, and then he may he may open to his side. But you know, not many teams are going to have a guys, guys at running back that they throw to a, a ton, uh, really more than their slot receiver. Uh, so he's going to open to speed and – Knowing that if you have a good tight end, you can you know, sneak him underneath on a little basic route, you know, a 12-yard dig, uh, and there's going to be a huge void. You just got to hit it before that backer can turn his hips. Yeah. Yeah, you don't see many linebackers anymore look like Dick Butkus, you know. I mean. Uh... No. <laughs> no, they're uh, – linebackers nowadays are, you know, bigger safeties. You know, a lot of, a lot of safeties gain a couple pounds and go play there, but you ain't going to see no big dogs anymore. Yeah. Uh, how about like a 500 too deep? Yeah. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's a tough one. Um, if you see it a lot, um, you know, third and five and under, you're going to see it a lot. Um, or not a lot, but a lot is it'll be a matchup type thing where, you know, they don't want to play man coverage, but they want to keep everything kind of underneath and, uh, or they, they go to it a lot in quick games. So if you do have a third and five um, situation, you know, you're thinking, okay, they're trying to get to the chains. Well, that's when they'll mix in that. But um, it's mostly Tampa, too, nowadays, um, with, you know, mix in of two invert, which is just the corner and the safety switch responsibilities. But uh, five underneath, yeah, good DCs. You know, I've always thought, if you know, if it's a quick game situation, you're a quick game offense or an RPO offense, that's what I would go to. It's hard to – you can disguise it good enough to confuse the quarterback. And if you can do that in quick game, if he's, you know, if he's indecisive at all, uh, you have a chance to make a play on it. So that, that's what I would go to if I was a DC in a quick game, you know, situation. Gotcha. So uh, just uh, one or two more here. How about quarters? Quarters. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, four deep, three underneath and, you know, four blitz and linemen. Um, you know, that's just, that's when a team doesn't want to get beat deep. Uh, you know, yeah. they're going to, they're going to bail and, um, you're seeing a lot of different versions of it um, now almost. I mean, you're seeing different versions now where you go four man, where the two outside guys are kind of manned up and then the inside guys are playing quarters. But you better have studs out there if you're going to do that. And, you know, that's yeah. more of an NFL thing. But just straight quarters, um, anything underneath should be good. I mean, should be open, quick game, uh, you know, and, and that's, you know, hitches. Um, out routes are going to be good there. You know, I like – you know, a good combination that we ran um, at ECU is we would run – it would be two by two. We'd run out routes that converted, but they're not going to convert there. They don't convert versus man. So they'd run six-yard – or six-step out routes, which is 11 yards, um, and then which should be open versus quarters. But if that's not open, you just pick a side, and then you got a basic on one side, which I just talked about versus cover two, um, and then you got a shallow cross on the other side. So you pretty much just pick a side and read outside in um, in quarters is the way I would say it because – there's three backers, you know, the middle one's going to stay there. The two outside are going to have, you know, really they got the flat and kind of the curl area, um, unless you got a good corner, but you know, they got to get really, really wide. Um, so if you just, if you know, it's quarters and can, you know, spit out a hitch or spit out an out route. Yeah. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, now I can. My bad. My headphones just went out. No um, but yeah, if you know his quarters, um, you know, you're going to try to spit the ball on the outside in a you know, five to 10 yard kind of area. 
Um, I mean, there's linebackers, and you got a receiver. You get the ball to a receiver on a linebacker with space. I mean, that's you can't ask for anything more. You just gotta you gotta recruit guys that can go win there, um, and that's a huge thing with that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I wanted to mention, uh, you know, in '91, Mike Cassidy was the defense coordinator, and he uh, he had this coverage. He called it level coverage, and it was actually quarters. Yeah. One of four DBs would line up, and you know, look like the same depth for all four of them. Yeah, uh, you know, he uh, he had some success with that. Yeah, situations. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's a really good coverage if you have guys that can play in space, especially if you have athletic linebackers that understand. Yeah. It. You have you have corners that you know. Today's world, disguising what we were talking about. If you have corners that can disguise, um you know, make it even look like cover two if you can get the safeties kind of pre-snap wide and the corners down low, but then when the ball snap, you know, those safeties go inside and the corners go. That's a hard one to beat because cover two, you know, to beat cover two, what we talk about, those routes are totally different than beating cover four routes. Um, so if you can disguise that, um, I mean, it's pretty good. You know, a lot of quarters, you know, turns into man. Uh, you know, the best advice, you know, I would say is, you know, quarters is going to turn into man once those receivers pass 11 yards. You know, someone has to guard them. Um, yeah. So, I mean, if that receiver's running a 18 yard comeback, like that corner's still going to guard him either way. So that, I mean, if you have a good one-on-one guy, um, then that's a route that you could run. But if you don't have a one-on-one guy, then you need to run more 10 yard out routes and not let them get in that, yeah. man, that man yardage. Cause once you get to a certain depth, uh, you know, they're going to have to man up on it. Yeah. So in the NFL, would you say you see, uh, a lot more man with, uh, you know, matching up as, as the patterns develop. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's kind of a new, you know, I think that's what football is kind of getting to is, you know, getting some guys manned up and then uh, playing kind of zone around it. You know, that match zone is what, you know, what they call it. And, yeah. Um, that's what I was referring to. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. They're, that's what football is getting to is, is doing that. And, you know, you're, yeah. these guys are, because honestly blitzes are getting so crazy um that you know you show one blitz on film a team's gonna have to like a, a blitz that beat someone uh that team's gonna have to prepare for it um and okay they say okay if you get this blitz it's cover two say um then you're like okay it's cover two if we see this blitz but then if you can blitz that same way and get a match with it and get a man coverage yeah. and send a guy in a different zone uh, and possibly get a pick so yeah the the new defensive world in college is so crazy. Um, there's definitely going to be a lot more match. I know in the NFL, uh, it's a ton of match. And that was, you know, a big eye-opener for me was, you know, like I kind of like I said, you know, I'd be thinking I'm seeing cover two because the two safeties are wide and the, and the yeah. two corners are, are pressed. But I'm really just getting uh, four match. Um, and it just looks pre-snap like cover two. So um, I think that's the way to go. That's the best way to kind of confuse quarterbacks, especially quarterbacks that understand pre-snap stuff. Um, is if you can get guys in man coverage and um, and make it look like zone. I mean, that's a that's a tough one because, like I said, DBs don't want to get beat get beat yeah. deep, um, and that's the biggest fear in man coverage. Same with the DC. So if he can make it look like it's zone, then obviously that quarterback's not going to be thinking, "Let me hit a go ball on him." He's going to be thinking something to beat that zone coverage. So uh, if you yeah. can mix and match that, uh, you know, you're gonna you should have a pretty good defense if you can get a pass rush. Well, one other thing I'll mention before I, I, I leave this topic is uh, I was actually an offensive coordinator at a high school in Florida for a number of years. I didn't tell you that. <laughs> one. How'd they do? 
Well, put up some points. Here's the deal. I ran a straight T with two tight ends. <laughs> and uh, I was so happy to see Penn State went back to that in the red zone. I was like, oh, my God. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm they so did. They did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. And, um, and actually, some a lot of the same plays we ran. That's awesome. Yeah, I ran yeah. the uh, – my freshman year of high school, I ran the wing T. That was my closest to it. I enjoyed it. I mean, that's kind of where I got my running roots from. Yeah. I was watching Debo and then run the dang wing T my freshman year of high school. Well, I love counters. I love counters, and I love to trap, trap oh, yeah. the tackle, trap oh, the yeah. end. You know, I mean, they never see you coming. Yeah, oh, one hundred awesome. Especially if you get someone who think they're good, and then just get an ear hole. Uh, <laughs> it's just not a good feeling. Okay, so I want to ask you. You know, what what was it about the Manning's program that helped you prepare for your senior season? Uh, you know, what I saw is you were able to be you know, successful against any defensive scheme as well as pressure situations. So, uh, I mean, you were kind of unstoppable. Uh, so, uh, you know, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I mean, they're the, you know, football family pretty much, uh, you know, with all three of them with, you know, our, obviously Archie and then um, Peyton and Eli and, you know, kind of I mentioned earlier, my earlier in my career is, you know, I, I knew football so well and I studied it so much. and I studied film so much. I almost overanalyzed stuff um, going into games. I'd be like, you know, I knew every little thing, every little detail of everything. And um, the biggest takeaway I took from them and I took a lot. I mean, I I'm doing football lessons now and I'm you know teaching kids the same drills that, you know, Peyton taught me and yeah the same pointers and stuff. So, I mean, I still use it to this day, but. Um, the biggest thing I took from that was, um, you know, Peyton, I remember asking him, you know, how do you not overanalyze? Cause I mean, obviously he was a genius guy. I mean, he pretty much same thing, knew everything about everyone going into the week. And I was, you know, Peyton, how do you not overanalyze and not go into the field and think too much? Cause that's the worst thing a quarterback can ever do is think too much. I'd rather you think too little and play free than think too much and play uptight. Um, and you know, the best advice he ever gave me was, uh, you know, once you get about two days out, two or three days out from from game day, just put the film down. Um, you know, you'll know you should know enough about them. Um, but at that point, and you should just start focusing on yourself, focusing on your reads, focusing on that rather than focusing on, you know, little tendencies you can pick up. Like by that point, the game plan's in, you know, the game plan. You just got to got to go trust yourself and go play free. And, um, you know, I think that was probably the best advice that he gave me that I took, especially my, going into my senior year was, you know, I would. Earlier in my career, I'd be watching film on the way over to the game. I mean, I would have it pulled up on my iPad and on the way. And, and not knowingly, I thought it was a good thing. Um, and, and to an extent it was. Um, but looking back now, that's just not what I how I played best was trying to know every little tiny detail up into the game. You know, I needed to I needed to watch four days of film. And then on Thursday, after I watched the red zone cut up one more time and the cut up and the two minute cut up one more time, I knew I needed to put the film down and say, okay, I know their defense. I know their tendencies. They're, I'm not going to watch any new film. I've already watched it all. Um, now it's time to focus on myself. Now it's time to make sure I'm going to play free, that my teammates are going to play free. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, that was a long answer, but um, I mean, I, they well, taught I think me. a lot of people will appreciate that answer because you were highly successful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's a huge part to it. And I've said it in multiple interviews that that was a huge part of it was, like I said, you can go play free. Um, and another thing is just, I mean, you got to trust your teammates around, you know, especially early in my career. I knew coming in that 
I mean, you know the situation coming in. I knew that I was going to have to um, make more plays than plays were kind of made around me, not in a bad way, but I mean, I knew I'm coming in, it was going to be a, an uphill battle and, you know, we were going to have to, you know, fight to keep guys, you know, at ECU and, you know, fight to get, you know, some good ones in there, some good recruits, good transfers. But um, I mean, if you, you just trust your teammates and you, it, it took a long time for me to trust if we're running an option route, and this cover four, that this kid's going to run a curl route instead of a go ball. Cause you know, earlier in my career, maybe that, you know, they didn't do that or, Maybe I didn't trust them to do that, but they were doing it. And, um, you know, I think senior year, everything just kind of clicked. You know, I think um, I trusted the guys around me and I, you know, they saw, you know, how much work I was putting in. And then, you know, putting down the film on Thursday got me, you know, to be a better teammate, making sure that they were not watching too much film or they weren't doing that, um, that they were just going to play free too. I mean, the, the more you can play free, the better. Um, and that is just, my senior year, I literally just went out there and played. I knew what I was doing. I knew what the defense was doing. Um, but I didn't put too much on my plate. You know, I just went and played. Right. Good stuff. So, uh, you know, I noticed that your arm strength had improved after you went uh, and spent time with the Manning. So what, what did you do to improve your arm strength as far as uh, throwing the football? Yeah, um, you know, that's something that I do daily. And, you know, throwing's weird muscles. I um, mean, obviously, you know that more than anyone probably just with what you do. But, you know, throwing is not the same muscle muscles you use when you, you know, do work your traps or anything like that. Like there's weird muscles throughout your shoulders um, that you never it's, – it's hard to work. And not that you never work them out, but it's hard to work out just in the weight room or, or just, you know, doing barbell stuff and – um, I have a lot of, you know, band work stuff now. Tom Brady really started that, um, that the Mannings kind of, you know, got into it the later in their career that, you know, Eli kind of did. Peyton really never did, but they were knowledgeable about it by the time I got to them. Um, they didn't get to do it later in their career, but, you know, they pre- they you know expressed the knowledge to, to me. And I got a, you know, a band routine that I do now and a workout routine. It's really not even a workout as much as it is like, just, you know, reps of, um, you know, shoulder exercises, I guess is what I would call it, um, to work certain parts of your, your muscles that you, you, you don't usually work in normal workouts. Um, so that I, I credit that, you know, a lot to that. Um, and then, you know, another thing is I was a baseball player growing up, so I long tossed baseball, you know, yeah. three days yeah. a week. Um, yeah. As soon as I started playing football, I never long tossed. No one ever told me to long toss, um, which makes zero sense, but – I mean, that's just the way it was, you know, everyone that was around me, you know, did the best that they could, but, you know, they weren't the guys that I was getting coached by um, were learning kind of with me in a way. Um, So I'm talking about younger in my career, not really in college. Um, But yeah, I mean, I never really long tossed or anything. And then, you know, I get the Manning Passing Academy and that was a thing that I wanted to really improve on in my senior year. And the first thing I asked, or first thing they said, they were like, "Well, well, how many times a week do you long toss? And I was like, I ain't long tossed in, 10 years with a baseball. Um, so, I mean, I, I started a long toss routine and did it, you know, two, three days a week during the off season and once a week during the season. Um, yeah. And that's where I saw my, you know, distance in the long ball go from, you know, 55 to 58 to 75, 78. I mean, and it's, you know, I was, I was throwing the ball, like how the heck, you know, I've never known this until now, you know, I wish I knew this younger in my career, but, 
Um, it just turned out I didn't, um, but it obviously right. helped me have a really good, successful senior year. Um, so, yeah, this, those two things um, kind of, you know, helped me in that in that category. But there's a million different, you know, so-called gurus out there that, you know, say this and that. But I think you just got to kind of find your own niche, you know, find what yeah. helps you, find what you what feels right. But um, getting a certain band exercise, making sure you have an official warm up, you know, first three years of college, I would just go out there, throw the ball 10 times and then go into practice and practice. And that just wasn't the way to do it in a, as a quarterback. You know, some running backs or whoever might be able to do that. As a quarterback, you got to loosen up your arm. You got to have all those muscles ready to go or you're not going to be at your best. Right. Interesting. So uh, let's fast forward to draft day. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, what were your options? Did you, did you have other options besides the Seahawks? Yeah, you know, I, it's such a weird um, day in general because, I mean, you got – you know, I was hearing from teams the morning of saying, you know, it's going to be a good day, um, you know, be ready for the fifth round, sixth round, seventh round. And then, you know, it comes and you, you go undrafted um, and you're like, well, crap, what do I do now? I knew, knew kind of what the situation was. I knew that, you know, teams were going to offer me and all that. But um, it goes so quick. Um I mean, pretty much we had three offers from three teams and or two te- two offers from two teams, I'm sorry, um, that kind of fell through just because we, you know, we were trying to get more money, more guaranteed money from one team. And then, you know, we called back to the other team to try to, you know, use that situation to get more money. And then they were like, we, we already took someone, y'all are taking too long. So, oh, crap, we better go accept this offer. We're already, y'all are taking too long. We already took someone. So then I sat there with no offers. Um, and, you know, I'm on the phone with my agent and my family's around and I'm like, what am I going to do? You know, am I going to be able to play football again? Am I going to get a chance at this? Um, and about an hour and a half later, um, the Seahawks call and I talked to Pete Carroll and that, you know, they give me a shot um, and say they're going to give me a shot to go in there and uh, sign me. And, you know, I said, yes, let's do it. And, you know, I, I would have never thought I ended up in Seattle, but it's just the way that God planned it, planned it for it to be. Um, yeah. And, you know, it was, it was a good situation for me and um, ended up playing good in the preseason and kind of going from there. But, you know, I, I'm you know, very fortunate and thankful that that's where I ended up and know that that's just part of God's plan. And when you got there, uh, going to the NFL for the first time, I mean, did you uh, – were there any surprises for you? Yeah. Um, you know, there was a, quite a few surprises. You know, the first thing that I – um, you know, kind of notice was, you know, this, I mean, you know, about the dog days of summer and yeah. in college, I mean, that's what you live for. And, you know, that's what I live for. You know, I loved it. You know, I love, that's where you build a team, especially in college. Um, and that's where, you know, you figure out who you can trust, you know, who's going to get through the hard days and you get to the NFL and it, I mean, it's not, it's not that at all. I mean, you, you, you show up, you work out, you go to meetings, um, you don't have a conditioning test. That's a lot of programs. We didn't in Seattle. Um, you know, we you were just expected to be in shape, and if you weren't, you were cut. Um, that's just kind of how it was. But, um, you know, I think that was the biggest thing was the strength program. Strength program was really good, in my opinion. I really like the coaches, and I think yeah. you, know, you have connections with some of them. But um, it, was just, it was just a different pace, I would say, than college. College is – you know, all gas, no brakes, get as strong and fast and big as you can uh, for the season. And the NFL, um, I mean, you have some guys that are 35, you know, 40 years old. They ain't trying to go out there and, and run when it's 100 degrees, and they ain't trying to lift 500 pounds anymore. 
you know, they're trying to make sure their body's in the best shape that it can possibly be in by the time the game starts. And that's a little bit different than me, who's 23 years old. So I might have to go get yeah. extra workouts in. Um, but it's, it's a definitely a different pace, a, a way more self-paced um, than than college where, you know, you have a set workout time, you go do it. And, you know, right. if you want extra work, you stay rather than, you know, in the NFL, you have one workout a week. And then if you want to get extra in, you go in. Yeah, I mean, you have to individualize Yeah, at that level. No question about that. And uh, through my career, I probably visited, I don't know, seven, eight NFL teams, uh, yeah. fly around. You know, that's basically what I always saw was, I'm like, man, how come these guys aren't working harder, you know? <laughs> yeah, no. and that's – You got to keep them healthy, man. Yeah, that's what it is. I remember um, Ivan, the head coach at – or the head strength coach at uh, – in Seattle, and the first day he was there, he he called all the rookies together, and he was like, "This ain't college." He was like, "So don't expect it to be college at all. This is not how it is." He was like, "Our job is to make sure that you don't get hurt in the weight room, and you get whatever work you yeah. want to get done." He was like, "I'm not. You guys are making millions of dollars, and my tail ain't going to be the reason that you ain't out there." Right. So it's it's just a different dynamic for sure. Yeah, I mean, a strength coach is going to get blamed if there's injuries. You know, that's just how it rolls. Yes, <laughs> I mean, college, NFL, that's just – yeah, that's just how it is. So uh, what were the takeaways from uh, Pete Carroll? You know, I think he did a great job of keeping the guys – you know, I talked about being in your best mental space. Um, I think he's probably – literally might be the best in the world at that. And you're seeing that now with Geno Smith, who, um, you know, pretty much was a backup for 10 years and then – goes to Seattle and, you know, is an all pro guy again. And you're like, you know, where has he been? It's because, you know, Pete does such a good job of um, finding out how to get the best out of every player. And, you know, that's one thing is I want to be a coach one day. So anything that he said, I was writing down almost like I'm just in there as an internship to learn how to be a head coach. And I was like, might as well learn it now. Um, you know, I'd write down what I'd write down day before first game. What, what did he talk to us about uh, two, day, two days out, night of the game, morning of the game? I wrote all that down because, I mean, it was just literally like he was just, you know, spewing yeah. with knowledge, um, and he's one of the best to ever do it. Um, but, yeah, he's probably one of the best, if not the best to ever do it with, you know, getting guys in whatever mental space that they need to be in and understanding that treating guys and, and going up to guys um, differently, each player's individually – you know, different, and, and he did such a good job of trying to get the best out of out of those guys. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me a bit that you wrote it down. Yeah, <laughs> oh, for sure. I was I was eating it up. I was like, this is a free, you know, people pay a lot of money for this, and oh, yeah. know, if I ever become a head coach, I'm going to go look back on it for sure. Uh, how about Greg Olson, takeaways there? Yeah, um, you know, he was such a – he's a true quarterback coach, you know, and, and that is, I loved it in every way possible. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, it's well-documented the resources that I had in my career and all of that, but um, he was, he was a guy that, you know, taught me a lot of terminology, taught me a lot of, um, you know, ins and outs of how to play quarterback, not just play quarterback, play in the NFL, you know, it's different. It's a different business. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of knew going in, you know, the, outside of football, how you needed to act and all that, you know, I, I'm not a, you know, I'm, I'm a super simple guy. So I knew I would be fine with there, but there's a lot of things in the NFL playing quarterback, um, you know, that you got to know in the game. And he's, he taught me a ton of stuff there. Um, and then just, 
just drill work. You know, he has a ton of drill work. He's been around a really long time and um, I'm all about, you know, learning different drills and different techniques yeah. on how to do one thing. There's, you know, there's a ton of different ways to do just a few things. Uh, and that's just, I mean, that's just how it is. Um, and, you know, doing new drill work, you know, some of the drills that he did made me a, a whole lot better. Awesome. I'd like to see some of them someday. Yeah, well, for sure. I videoed all those too. I have it on. Uh, I was like, if I ever get cut, I'm not gonna be able to get to this film. So I'm gonna video it all on my phone. So nice. I got <laughs> That's awesome. For sure. Well, you know, uh, the podcast, of course, is a Christian podcast. And uh, yep. I know you have a strong spiritual life. And, you know, I, I really believe that we are in warfare every day, spiritual warfare, similar Absolutely. to you know, warfare on a football field. And, uh, you know, when you're a quarterback, you, you you take a risk with your your self image actually because yep. all eyes are on you all the time. Yep. So you you got to be strong mentally, emotionally, and physically. Uh, you know, you got to have durability in all those areas. And I know that because I I played the position in college. Yep. Um, but uh, you know, confidence is born of demonstrated ability, uh, and that's big for quarterbacks as well to gain that confidence. So I guess my question is, was there ever a time through your career in college, uh, you know, where you had to rely on your relationship with Christ? You had to rely on prayer to provide you with the strength to overcome or endure something that you were going through? Yeah, um, I'd say every day would be the simple answer. Um, And I mean, I wouldn't have got through it without the relationship with him. I don't know how people, um, you know, I respect everyone, but I don't know how people who don't have a relationship with Christ get through some of the things that they get through. Um, and, you know, I think for me personally, um, you know, I went through so much and, you know, I mean, I, I, I was, a, I mean, I was the starter at my dream school in my hometown at, you know, 18 years old. I was starting quarterback and we weren't winning. I mean, as you know, and as all these fans know, I mean, we weren't winning and, you know, it wasn't a, a fun time. I mean, yeah you know, the goals that I came in with and is well-documented, you know, what the goals I came in about changing the program and doing all that. And, um, it sucks when you, you go three and nine and as a starter, your freshman year and, you know, you were getting recruited. It's all perfect and rainbows. And as soon as you lose one game, all them fans ain't as nice no more. All them feelings that you were feeling ain't as nice no more. And, um, real quick, you gotta, you know, I had to, you know, separate, football from life you know I felt like I was failing in football and early in my career I let that think I was failing in life um and and I wasn't obviously but um that's what it felt like you know I felt like I was letting my family down and yeah um, you know that I just felt like I was letting my home team down my, my hometown down um and, and kind of everything in between but um you know, I think losing early in my career helped me later in my career understand what matters and what doesn't um, you know, I think that's a huge thing that, um, you know, guys, people trouble with, uh, have trouble with today, not just really not just in sports, but in anything, you know, where failing at stuff is a huge part of life. Um, and, and I am very thankful that I failed early in my career because if everything would have went perfect, then, um, I mean, I'm, I'm cut right now from the NFL. I don't have a job like we were talking about before, but, um, I'm fine mentally. You know, I have a good relationship yeah. with God. I know I'm a good kid. Um, I got a good family and um, I know it's going to work out. And if not, then I know that God has other plans for me, but um, yeah. 
I wouldn't know that. I wouldn't, I maybe not wouldn't have this mindset if I was successful throughout everything and never went through failure um, and never had, you know, those dark nights with God where I was, you know, praying and crying to God, feeling like I was a failure. Um, but going through that led me to here now where um, I don't have a job. I'm staying at my best friend's house, um, but I'm as happy as could be. I have a great relationship with God. Um, you know, I know everything's going to work out and some people might call me crazy for that. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I don't think so. You know, I think, you know, God is good and, um, he always is going to be righteous and look out for whatever the plan that, you know, our plan doesn't always, uh, line up with his plan. Um, and his plan doesn't line up with our plan. And, you know, my plan might've been to go have a 10 year NFL career, but that wasn't God's plan it ain't happening. I mean, that's, right. it doesn't matter what, you know, what my plan was or not. So, you know, I know that it's all part of a bigger plan. And if I'm supposed to play football and keep playing, then I'm gonna keep playing. And, you know, if God has, you know, plans for me to do something else, then I'm gonna go full force into that and, and have a positive, you know, mind on it. Cause I know that, you know, God's done some amazing things for me and got me through a lot of stuff, but he's also took me to some mountaintops that I didn't even know were possible. Um, and he's got me there. Um, and you know, I know that without him, I wouldn't have gotten, you know, to those mountaintops and I wouldn't have got out of those valleys. Um, so I think the relationship with him is what, um, you know, is my core, um, you know, down to my soul, you know, that's why I am here. Um, that's why, you know, the the mental space that I'm in, I'm in, and, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful for that. I spent the last three years of my career in prayer, prayer. So, uh, I feel you, man. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. (laughs) Hey, I hear you. It's a tough business, brother. It is. It is that. uh, uh, 32 years, most of those, almost all of them were a one year contract. Uh, So, you know, I was, uh, I finally got a multi year contract and I left and went somewhere else. So that's, you know, that's (laughs) that's how crazy it is. But uh, yeah, Uh, that's that's how the football world is, man. That's that's how it goes. But you just got to keep working and stay humble, man. That's that's my advice. Yeah. You know, head down. I'll work people and stay humble. Yep. That's 100%. You know, I think no matter what, you know, you're doing in life, if you, if you work hard um, and keep your head down, it'll work out whatever you're doing. Talk a little bit about your church and uh, you know, your church family, what that's meant to you. Yeah. Um, Open door here in Greenville is where I go. And, you know, I started, um, you know, I went, you know, not a ton growing up, but I, you know, I went enough, you know, we would travel baseball and, and three other brothers um, weekends were tough, but we would always watch it online. And then um, once I got into college, I started pretty going pretty much every Thursday or Sunday. Um, and, you know, open door Aaron Kennedy over there has been great. Um, you know, I went through a lot of stuff, like I said, and he's kind of helped me through it. Um, and, you know, to this day, I mean, when I was living in Seattle. I was still talking to him, you know, once or twice a week, texting with him and, you know, watching the, services online but um you know i think it's important you know whether it's you know, open door or wherever kind of wherever you go to church you know just having you know brothers and sisters in christ is a, is a huge deal because you can't do it alone at the end of the day um i mean you might think you can but you, you'll find out real quick you can't you got to have people that um you got to have a prayer team and people that are there and have the same beliefs as you that can you can talk to about dark things and you can talk to about good things i mean you just got to have people in your life like that and um, obviously God's always listening and you can always talk to him, but, um, you got to have people that, uh, you know, can encourage you in, in dark times. Right. Well, I mean, I saw you, uh, for, for, you know, 
well into well back into your career uh not just your senior year i really felt like you had great leadership qualities and so uh, you know describe yourself as a leader and you know how would you convey leadership to young people that you're going to to be coaching yeah um you know i i think um you know what i said earlier about you know keeping your head down and just outwork people you know i think that's the first type of leader that i am you know i knew especially going into a new place, you know, when I was a freshman at ECU, that was the best advice I ever had. Um, you know, obviously being a rookie in the NFL, that was the best advice I ever had. You know, you don't don't talk too much, you know, keep your head down, outwork people and earn people's respect. Um, your respect is earned, not given. And, um, you know, I mean, you were there my freshman year and, uh, you know, that freshman summer was freshman spring, really, when I got in there because I graduated high school early in that freshman summer. I mean, I was getting my tail kicked. I mean, the workouts you were doing and all of that were killing me, but it was building me up too. And uh, I knew I needed it, but you know, I, the one thing I remember telling myself was like, I can't show weakness. Don't show weakness. Don't show weakness. And like the mat drills we did freaking um, in the winter, uh, that first year with you. And uh, you know, I thought I was dying and you know, I would not let myself show any weakness. Cause I knew, you know, you gotta, you gotta earn people's respect and you're not going to earn it by bending over or laying down or anything like that. You're going to earn it by, being the first one up, being the one that's encouraging people. And, um, you know, I think you just earn people's respect that way and then slowly get more vocal throughout, you know, the time. And as you get comfortable and as they get comfortable with you, um, I think would be kind of the best advice I could give. Yeah, I think the uh, the tradition of mat drills started way back. I think it started at Florida State. I could be mistaken. Uh, but that spread through the country and became a tradition uh, where every place I've been, oh yeah, have, to have mat drills. Oh uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's and, a staple. Uh, it's a staple. Sometimes I, you know, I was a little bit against it because I, I wanted the guys to recover enough to get stronger through that time period yeah. as well. But uh, as crazy as it may seem, uh, back in the '90s, I remember very specifically, we would end up with a hundred up downs on the gym floor, four sets of twenty five. And you couldn't use your knees to get up. That had to be an up down. And and uh, I would have guys go right to the lifting group right after morning conditioning, the mat drills. Yeah. I, I had an early group, and they'd be hitting PRs sometimes. And <laughs> it was hard for me to understand. Yeah, you might, how the heck is this happening? So, you know, yeah. We're using the mat drills for a warm-up, but uh, – <laughs> Hey, uh, I mean, I guess I everyone – explain it, but I saw it a lot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so what is your vision toward your future playing career? Like, I do you have a vision now? You know, uh, yeah, um, you know, I think it's it in the situation I'm in. I mean, I'm cut right now. Um, and like I said, I trust God through everything, but at the same time, you know, I do have a vision of me being a successful NFL quarterback. Um, and I've you know envisioned that ever since I was in college. and I know I'm good enough to play it. You know, I, I played really well in the preseason um, and kind of showed that I could did it and um, or do it. Um, but, I mean, I just envision myself being successful for a successful team. Um, you know, I I wouldn't mind being a backup in the NFL just because it is a great job to have. But, you know, I think I'm good enough to play. Um, I, I know I'm smart enough to play. And can. And then the day, um, you know, this, you know, I think some of parts of me being cut right now has a part of me being lefty and all that. And the NFL just hasn't seen that in a while. But, if the ball gets where it's supposed to get to, when it's supposed to be there, and gets it to the playmaker's hands, 
um, you know, then you're doing your job. And I think I'm as good as good um, as, you know, anyone in the world at that. And, you know, I think if you put me in the situation that I go out there and be successful and um, I'm super confident in that. But at the same time, you never know. I mean, I'm going to I know I'm going to be ready. I know I'm going to keep training. Um, I know that I'm going to you know, if I do get a call, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be my best because I'm going to be training like I'm like I'm my best. So, uh, you know, hopefully I get a call and it all works out. And, uh, you know, I definitely I think, you know, visual visualization is a huge thing, especially as a quarterback. So right. I, you know, I'm definitely going to visualize su- success. And, um, you know, when it comes, it, it won't surprise me. Right. Well, do you have a vision after football? Yeah, um, I got probably too many visions after football. Um <laughs> You know, I got, uh, you know, I'd, I'd definitely love to get into coaching of some sort. Um, you know, I I think I would love college, but, you know, at the same time, I, I think, um, you know, the moving and raising a family, I think that I think I might would enjoy high school a little bit better um, just being, you know, settled down in one place. But um, coaching is definitely in my future. I would love to do that. Um, and then, you know, from there, I, I, I'm really interested in real estate and stuff like that. Um and, you know, sales in general, I'm interested in and then entrepreneurship as well. But um, coaching for sure. I, I can't imagine my life and you know my mind without without football. You know, I've put so much into it and learned so much from it that, um, you know, it kind of be you know messed up for me not to you know use that and to teach younger people that, you know, I feel like all my ups and downs and the people that I've met and writing down from Pete Carroll to Greg Olson to the Mannings to everyone in between you. Know, I, I feel like I've learned too much to not, uh, you know, teach the youth it. And, you know, especially around here, I mean, there's not a lot of people with that resources and, you know, been where I've been and um, met the people that I've met where, you know, I, I do feel like I could you know, be successful in that, you know, kind of business. Right. Well, since I got out, I thought, you know, golf would be enough for me, but I, I didn't tell you this, I don't think, but a couple of weeks ago I enrolled in uh, to be a health and life coach. I went, I'm going back to school, so I'm, my, I'm in my second week. And uh, yeah, I do not I, love it, man. I think the first uh, six weeks is just on nutrition. That's awesome. Yeah. Good I'm already you. learning a lot. I just got out of school, so I'm not uh, I'm not looking forward to any school anytime soon. But maybe when I'm your age, I'll get back into it. There you go. But, uh, you know, I got one more question for you. Uh, as a Christian, how do you hope to influence others around you or others you coach in the future toward righteous living? Yeah, you know, I think leading by example is the, the best way to show someone, you know, what God is and who God is. And, um, you know, the best advice um you know, I kind of ever got with that is, you know, you, you know, someone told me, you know, Holton, you be, you may be the only Jesus that someone meets today. And I was younger and I was like, you know, what does that mean? And um, I didn't really understand it, but the older I've gotten, you know, the more I understand of, you know, people may not be able to read the Bible. People may not have access to the Bible, but if they know you read it and they see how you act, you know, how do they see you act? How are your actions? How do you treat people? Um, You know, how do you, how do you treat people who aren't nice to you? How do you treat people who are nice to you and um, everything in between? And you know, if you're kind and compassionate and loving and, you know, all the things that Jesus was, then, 
that's probably how they're going to see. They're going to say that and say, okay, well, he reads the Bible. You know, he has a relationship with Jesus. Let me find more out about Jesus. Let me figure out that. And that's kind of something that I've took with me is, you know, I could be the only Jesus that someone ever meets in their lifetime. And if that's the case, um, if I can show someone, you know, what that life is like and I can bring someone closer to God, then, um, you know, that's what it's all about. And then the day, you know, football ends, um, businesses end and careers end and at one day life ends. And, um, you know, you either go, you either go to one place or the other. Um, there ain't, there ain't that many options, either one or two. Um, and I'd, you know, I'd do everything in my life to make sure I'm going to heaven. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, carry people, um, you know, there with me. Well, the earlier in life they can figure it out, the better off they're going to be. And we all know that. 100%. 100%. That's why we, uh, you know, we, we try to uh, minister to people. So sometimes they don't make the same mistakes we made. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's very important to understand that you're, you're involved in warfare every day. Oh, 100%. No matter who you are, no matter what. on that armor of God, you know. Yes. That's, that's what you got to do. Absolutely. So, uh, hey, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this. I really appreciate it. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, I, uh, I love these podcasts because through my career, what I really loved was being with the players, you know. So, yep. uh, really nice to reconnect. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you and everything you've done for my career. I mean, I wouldn't be nowhere near uh, where I am without you, obviously with you helping with pro day. And uh, I mean, you, you kind of got me at the beginning of my career and then of college and then the end of my career at college. And um, to be able to work with you was great. And uh, we ain't done yet though. We'll we'll get back together here soon. That sounds good. I I, got to give a shout out to your coach, coach Connor. Oh, yeah. Uh, who had great influence on you. And I'll give a shout out to my man, Mark Washington. Oh, yeah. That too. When you were just a tyke. Yeah. Those those two guys. Uh, uh, I mean, shoot, when I was me and Coach Connor, I mean, me and Mark started in sixth grade at, you know, 5 a.m. working <laughs> out. I didn't, I didn't know what the heck he was saying or what he was doing. All I know is I was getting my tail kicked in the weight room. <laughs> and, uh, I, I never have figured out what he was saying or what he was doing, but I, I think he had a good intentions. He did. Uh, he helped me a ton. Though. He, helped, he helped my body develop. I remember yeah. uh, starting in sixth grade, and then when I was in eighth grade going into to high school, getting ready to work with Coach Connor. Um, I was 185, and I told Mark, I was like, Mark, I, I, not knowing Mark would actually do it, I was like, Mark, I'm going to get up to 215, 220. In about two months, Mark had me eating 10 bagels a day. And in two months, I was up to that weight. And I was probably looking back at those pictures. I was probably a balloon just from eating carbs 24-7. Yeah. I was going around in seventh grade, literally just eating plain bagels throughout the day. And I'm like, <laughs> he got me to where I was going. But uh, And then obviously when I got to Conley with Coach Connor, um, right. I mean, he's one of the best coaches I ever had. Um, and he could easily go coaching college and so knowledgeable about everything. And he kind of, he was the first one to teach me coverages. I remember when I was in ninth grade, I went into his office, um, and he started teaching me coverages and he was like, all right, cover one means there's one safety in the middle of the field. Cover two means there's two cover three. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is the easiest thing in the world. If that's all I gotta do is look up there and know what covers are in about how many safeties are up there. And, you know, obviously it's a lot more to that. And, um, he taught me a ton of stuff and 
I still go work out all the time there. And, you know, he takes me through, uh, you know, quarterback drills and stuff like that. Cause I mean, he is as good as anyone I've worked with. So, uh, you know, he's a, uh, he's a stud. I appreciate him a lot. Yeah. And his dad is a great preacher. He is. He is. Um, he's a, he's an open door guy now and works there and okay. uh, of course mentors some of their younger preachers, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a great family. No doubt. Well, thanks again. Hopefully I'll see you soon. Good luck. Sure. And, uh, let me know if there's any way I can help you. So uh, this is Jeff Connors uh, signing out for Absolute Empowerment. And God bless. We'll see you next week. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on the Sports Objective. Join us every Monday night for a new edition of the show. Listen to the show pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. Be sure to follow us on social media at the Sports OBJ on Twitter and TikTok, at the Sports Objective on Instagram. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. As always, we appreciate you listening to the show. And go Pirates!